episode, I get to speak with Andrew Becker, a legal recruiter for attorneys. He provides us an inside view of some experiences that legal recruiters go through, some tips for legal job searching, resumes, and interviews. These are just some things that I wanted to learn about for quite some time. So you'll notice I was a little intrigued in the conversation. Listen in for more. Good morning, Andrew. Welcome to the Let's Talk Paralegal podcast. This is awesome. You're our first legal recruiter on the podcast. And it was my mission that for season two, I would have a legal recruiter on the podcast because I can't tell you how many times I've had my listeners and my viewers and my followers you know, request this because it's something um, like we were talking about a little bit that a lot of people are unfamiliar with. It's like untouched territory and they have a lot of questions. So hopefully we can answer some of those questions, right? Because we have limited time, but um, hopefully we can answer the bulk of those questions uh, throughout our conversation this morning, right? Absolutely. And thank you so much, Ada, for having me. I very much appreciate the opportunity. Uh, value provide to your listeners. I, uh, I trust I'll be able to throw some insights and uh, wisdom on top of that. Awesome. Thanks, Andrew. So let's just dive right in because I love these topics that you chose to speak about today. Um, and the first one you had spoken about with me is specific experiences, right? Because we all know it's very individual sometimes, but we, you know, there's always a pattern, right? So talk about those experiences. Sure. So taking a step back, my team and I uh, were a company called Palmer Kent Associates. We're located in Boca Raton, Florida. And the majority of the placements and the candidates we work with, the placements we make, are within big law. Law 100 specifically, and it extends to the Amlaw 200 with some smaller mid-sized firms and boutiques uh, spread throughout. And we, um, we work nationwide. So as far as specific experiences, a lot of what I've, I've found and a lot of what these firms are looking for in this very strong kind of bounce back market from the freeze that COVID brought is they're looking for great credentials, they're looking for great experience, and they're looking for individuals specific to COVID. How have you overcome the, the difference in workflow that COVID brought to the whole law firm um, dynamic, the whole environment? So some things have changed and specific experiences are like how interviews have moved to a, a Zoom uh, format and what that for candidates who were so used to in years past going into a law firm, being able to speak and connect with someone face to face. So that's changed just a bit, but the, um, the substantive matters of interviews are much the same, just a, a couple differences. So, so it sounds to me it's more like versatility and resilience is really what they're looking for, right? And I think those are two things that as legal professionals, we all need to carry on, you know what I mean? Um, because our caseloads are different and diverse and uh, we need to handle clients. So that's something that every legal professional should have, hopefully. I mean, I'm just saying, generalizing this at this moment. Um, any tips that you have for those particular people that may not be very keen on change and really struggles, like how to overcome those or, or, you know, anything that you can provide to them would be nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you spoke to a great quality resilience and that's what we speak to a lot of attorneys about because despite what the challenges, um, despite the challenges that COVID and just the, the day-to-day of being an attorney have brought in general, um, it's resilience and it's tenacity, it's grit to get through it and figure out a system that works best for you. Um, I've spoken with attorneys that, like you might have read in some articles on how to kind of establish a nice workflow is separate work from from home, even though they're being done in the same place. 
uh, being able to shut off uh, mentally. And I know that's a little more difficult for attorneys when there's deadlines that are constant and hours that extend past the normal working day, but it's just uh, figuring out what works best for you and, um, and being able to reach out. One of the big things that I speak to many attorneys about is even though you're connected to a team often by, by a Zoom call versus being able to walk down a hallway, uh, use that to your advantage because you're still expected and it's still to your benefit to create relationships with your colleagues, with partners. I'm talking about associates, of course. And uh, I would encourage people not to use the fact that you, you can't just walk down a hall or you can't just um, stop by a desk as, a, as an excuse, but use the, uh, the Zoom to continue to create and, uh, and forge those relationships that are going to serve you in development, serve you when you need a helping hand, serve you when you have a question on a, on a, on a matter that you don't know how to do. So once again, um, I encourage everyone to be tough and not use the fact that you don't have your team right around you physically as an excuse. Do what you can. And, um, and that's how you're going to create success for yourself. Yeah, I think we talk about that a lot in the podcast in general, Talk about how um, you strategize and you organize your caseload and you organize the case from the beginning, it'll eliminate some of these last minute deadlines. And really all you'll have to worry about in the end are like these emergency motions or these emotion, you know, emergency hearings, which are true emergencies, right? Something else pops up or, or the attorney's unable to attend, or there's a judge being, you know, removed from the case, you know, there's always going to be other outside elements that will affect your case. But I feel like when we do these meetings, like you said, on a day-to-day or just more constant and talk about strategy versus what's the next thing, I think they're very counterproductive What versus if you sit down with your attorneys or your associates or anyone, you know, as a team, um, you know, how to handle those emergencies. I think these, a lot of those things can be alleviated and those tips that you just provided about kind of signing off and, and, you know, walking away without all that like weight on your shoulders, I think would be a lot easier if you just organized yourself a little more. Right. Um, um, so how about some like resume, right? A lot of people for me anyway, they, they don't pay attention to their resume as much as they should. Um, you know, they say that the first, first impression is the resume, right? That's how they're really going to call you in. So talk a little bit about, that and and how to handle that situation. Absolutely. Kind of just um, an overall thought I have as you as you shared is um, your resume is what's going to speak about you on paper. And you won't have the opportunity at first to be able to speak on top of anything else besides what's literally on that page. So you really want to represent in a succinct, concise, but effective manner uh, what your experience has been and what the narrative of your professional career has been. Um, I resumes sometimes that there are things that mean a lot to a candidate that happened before law school, during law school, that um, don't have anything to do with the role they're going for, the opportunity. And while it's great to read about, understand that when there are a pair of eyes on a resume, you want them to touch on the main factors that are going to set your resume apart and not create questions, not create concerns, not create um, any doubt as to why they're a great candidate. Um, I love that. Yeah, I, love that. I think it, it should be utilized more as a, a summary of your experience and accomplishments, right? Um, a lot of people underutilize the resume option. And but, um, you know, as far as what did you do to handle the caseload? You know, these are things that managers want to know about, you know, um, how how many cases have you won with those strategies? You know, you got to give them useful information as well as 
can draft a motion for summary judgment. Okay. I mean, I have five other candidates that can do that as well. Tell me what sets you apart from drafting and going into trial. How many trials have you attended? Right. Um, in realizing that. Yeah, to your point you just raised, being able to highlight whenever you've been given or you've taken on um, additional responsibility than just what your job stipulates, your role stipulates, I like because it shows leadership. It shows a lot of uh, intangible qualities that these uh, decision makers, these partners, want to associate as well. That's awesome. And I think you had a little bit more on like the how to's, right? So can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So when it comes to a resume, um, you want to be succinct. A lot of times the order does matter. If you went to a great law school and you're still an associate, you want to put that education on top because you don't have as many years of experience. Um, But if you're a more mid-level associate, you want to lead in with your experience. A a quick um, suggestion I make to a lot of attorneys is just the order of how you present information does matter. Wow. I like that. Write that one down. Most definitely. Again, if you're a younger associate, education first. If you went to a great law school, you had a great GPA. Otherwise, you want to lead in with the experience um, that will contribute to them assessing how, how you've uh, progressed as an attorney in the first couple of years. Yeah. This Go might on. be a personal opinion, but would you recommend it to be short and to the point? Or are you more of lengthy resumes or does it depend like everything else in law? I'd say it does depend on the experience specifically. Um, you can quickly tell when you look at a resume if their experience is limited. And so you want to be able to highlight other pieces. Maybe they did really well in law school. They just found themselves in a position where they're not quite getting the work they want, or it's been a number of factors that have limited their experience that they hope. So it's all about how you can tailor your resume to play to your strengths and also get that window open. So you can be sitting across the table from a decision maker and you're able to expound on what, uh, what that resume can't fully share. So it's all about highlight, making sure that resume is playing to your strengths and showcasing what you do bring to the table. And so when you have that opportunity to speak on further, you're able to take full advantage. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. How about cover letters? Any any tips on cover letters? Are they useful? Are they not? Depends. With what I do specifically, um, I'm not often working with cover letters. Yes, they're important. I I enjoy reading them just because I'm I'm passionate about communication overall. So whether that's spoken word, uh, writing, a lot of pride in working with candidates on, on beefing up those resumes, those cover letters. I always like to say concise, succinct, and really make it known why you're going to be a value add to this organization. People shy away from a resume or a cover letter being that boastful opportunity. It is absolutely a boastful opportunity. So you, you showcase what you bring to the table and how you're going to be a value add from day one. Really toot your own horn in this case and make sure they know without a shadow of a doubt how you're going to be valuable to their team and their organization. And I think it goes to your point about if they lack that experience, bring in, you know, the cover letter is a great opportunity to bring in the other values that you can bring to the table, right? Absolutely. Um, I always use uh, Google as an example when I give it to my students, my paralegal students. Um, I use a cover letter, like if you were to apply for Google, right? Because they're like the biggest company like out there, right? So why not? (laughs) So I always use them as an example and I'm a big advocate of Google for some reason. Um, If you're hearing this, you know, sponsor. No, I'm kidding. Um, But I always use the sample 
cover letter that I provide them um, with that such a big organization, right? Because I always say, but really highlighting what you have to offer. I think that that's a great opportunity um, to say why you want to be with that organization as well. I love your products. I actually use your, just really highlight the why and and show the initiative. Because I feel like a lot of people forget that when you're going to work for a company, you're going joining a family, right? These, these attorneys are, they own these companies, whether they're huge, little, whatever it is, but they built it from the ground up. Most of these companies have built it from the ground up or they're generational, like the Morgan and Morgans of the world. Um, but yet they're still family, you know? So if they're going to bring you into that family, you really have to show them, hey, I really want to work with you guys. This is why. This is what I have to offer. This is my value. Like really sell yourself. I feel like um, sometimes you want to make it more of a sales pitch versus an interview at that point. Um, Really let them know and highlight your positives when it comes to that. Absolutely. Points that came up and what you just shared. So I I, uh, I took the liberty of just writing down because I wanted to dive into a couple of them. Mm. Um, One of the things is when it comes to cover letters, again, taking a step back as to how this lateral process works when you work with a recruiter like myself. The reason I don't work with as many cover letters is because the way I'm communicating with the firm and the decision makers, I'm often taking pieces of a, call it a cover letter, and sharing that with them directly. So I'm not working with a specific cover letter, though, you know, they request it. And what I always share, especially when is looking to uh, switch practice areas, which is something we see quite often. One of the biggest things I, I've seen be successful when it comes to what you put in a cover letter or what I'm sharing on behalf of a candidate is if you're in, say, litigation and you want to do business transactional work, what are the skill sets, soft and hard, that you received from your current role that are going to translate, once again, to be a value add from day one with that new firm. These are the kinds of things that might sound obvious when I say it, but when you're in the thick of it and wondering what the heck you're supposed to write about, these are some things that might escape your your judgment and escape how you think about things. So that's definitely a how-to I'd highly recommend is if you're switching practice areas or if you're going to either a larger firm or just a different firm than where you're currently at, it's how does your current experience translate to how you're going to be a value add on day one. Yeah, transferable skills for sure. And I always say that, especially for people that are starting at a lower level, you know, like a receptionist or intake person or someone at a lower level that are trying to reach that paralegal or executive assistant status. Transferable skills are amazing. You know, customer service is number one for law firms. But as long as you're familiar with civil procedures and you can transfer the discovery process and all that the different types of cases and rules and things like that in that particular um, type of practice. So there are a lot of similarities and a lot of patterns in law. So just highlight those. All right, Andrew, um, did you have any other last uh, thoughts that you wanted to share with us before we end our awesome session? Yeah, when it comes to interviews, just a couple uh, a couple points that we can touch on um, briefly, but that can be a difference maker for your listeners. One of the first questions that a firm will ask a candidate and this extends to all types of interviews, not just within the legal profession, is tell me about yourself. By achieving and as effective as candidates are and have been and the success they've created for themselves, they find themselves stuck on that question. How do I answer it? How far back do I go? What am I supposed to touch on? <laughs> so this is often a question we get quite a bit. And we, uh, we always walk our candidates through a comprehensive interview prep. So they're well prepared for, um, for the actual interview when the time comes. Wow, I love that. Yeah, so some of the pointers we share with uh, with candidates regarding how to answer this question. Tell me about it. this is your prime opportunity to share about yourself personally, again, in a concise and effective manner, but to showcase who you are. 
because a lot of, and here's the point I, I had forgotten earlier, um, your narrative, who you are as a person and what you bring to that team besides just your hard skills, that is also a difference maker. Remember, this team you're, you're looking to join and once more this extends beyond legal, they're looking for people they're going to enjoy being around that have some personality outside of just the work that they're going to produce. Um, so being able to be present, actually listen to the conversations, not just sound like an automated answer machine. <laughs> Robot. What, yeah, right. This is what they're looking for. So again, with a question like, tell me about yourself. We often share, you know, start with where you grew up. You can often share in a very concise way what inspired you to go to law school mm. and at the firm or whatever role you're currently at. Add in there what you're passionate about, um, what your current role consists of. So it's typically kind of where you grew up, how you got to law school, where you went to law school and where you are now and what you take care of. Tell me about yourself. I use this, this phrase a lot and I know I've, 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 um, I've dropped it a, a couple of times during our conversation thus far, but being concise. Remember these firms are looking for attorneys that can be concise, that are effective communicators. So what I often see is associates are so eager to share and stuff all they can into an answer. Unfortunately, they talk themselves out of an opportunity. Mm. Once again, being present and recognizing what question is being asked, hearing what question is being asked, and understanding you don't have to fit an entire interview's worth of information into a single answer. There are going to be subsequent questions that we can dive into with that. Yeah, so. treat it like a like a draft, <laughs> like a complaint, you know. Absolutely. Um, and we're going to talk yeah. about legal. <laughs> yeah, and one more question that um that I wanted to uh, discuss is you know share a challenge you've hit in your career or in your life and how you overcame it, and it can also be asked, tell me some strengths and weaknesses. And once again, for an attorney that's been doing very well. Um, through their professional career, they had great grades, they went to law school, it can often be difficult to choose something to share with an individual across the table to answer the question and continue to paint yourself in a, in a great light. So all that to say, this is another question that seems to stump candidates. Mm. We share is you want to pick something where you're going to be vulnerable, but you can also share the information in a way that's highly effective to where you share the challenge and then you quickly pivot to how you handled that challenge and overcame it. The weakness, you're going to share a weakness that's genuine and honest, but you're going to quickly pivot to how you've taken steps, you've taken actions to overcome that. And that's just um, a formula for how to answer those kinds of questions. So instead of stressing out on, oh, I don't, I don't want to share anything that's going to be too revealing or that's immediately going to cut me from the role, use discernment but also understand it's all in the way you share that experience or share that quality. Yeah, communication is key at any point, right? That's really what we are. We, um, one of the professors at Broward College uses the, this phrase and, and it sticks with me, we are wordsmiths. Um, and that's what we do. That's really what legal professionals are known for is, is communicating, whether it's through written letters or, you know, verbal. And sometimes that doesn't translate. We get so stuck in the rules and procedures and formulas and what we need to do that we forget, hey, you know, simple communication can go a long way. Well, it was a pleasure having you on, Andrew. Um, thank you for these wonderful tips. I'm sure everybody's going to be writing it down or listening to this podcast over and over again because it has been the most requested. Um, so I appreciate you taking your time from your busy schedule and providing us all this useful information. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. 
Thanks so much, Ada. My pleasure. It's a law firm that uh, pays a placement fee based on a first-year salary. So don't think as an associate, um, as an attorney, that you need to come up with a bunch of cash to, uh, to utilize our service. That's not the case. On the flip side, law firms are very hungry for talent, um, especially right now in the current market. They are very hungry for talent. Do they have all the resources to source candidates on their own? Not all the time. So that's where working with a recruiter can be very beneficial to a law firm just as much as to a candidate. And so um, as recruiters, uh, I, I can speak from experience of my team, we're always talking with both candidates as well as law firms, both in South Florida and nationwide as to what their strategic growth plans are, what their needs are. We're talking to, to um, managing partners, we're talking to chairs, we're talking to hiring partners on what they see uh, taking place with um, their practice areas, their firms, the needs they have. And so working with a recruiter that has those connections that can speak as to what the needs are in the marketplace and specifically the practice area, that is again, how you can determine if you have the right fit in terms of a, uh, a recruiter for your search. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's great. I actually wrote down a whole page of notes while you were talking. So thank you for that. Um, because it's useful, you know, all the tips that you gave not only is specific to associates, it's also specific, you know, for any legal staff member um, is very general because now paralegals are also specializing and getting masters and, and really getting up to par with um, lawyers so that they can assist in the strategy and the caseload management. So yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for those tips. Yeah, you're very welcome. As you can imagine, my conversation with Andrew Becker could have gone on forever. And you know what? As always, I would have welcomed it. So here's a little extra on our conversation regarding transitions within the legal industry. Enjoy. Hey, Andrew. So you wanted to talk a little bit more about general transition, right? How to transition from different law firms and practices. So let give me some of that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm a legal recruiter and most individuals, most professionals are familiar with recruiting as it relates to different industries. But when it's time for you to make a move from one law firm to another, from a law firm to an in-house role, to a government position, whatever the case may be, there's no class on that in law school. And so oftentimes the conversations I have with candidates is how does this whole process work? So taking a step back, I work for a, a team where our name is Palmer Kent Associates. Our niche is big law, big law, uh, AMLAW 100, extends to AMLAW 200 and some boutiques and mid-sized firms in between and past that. And oftentimes, once a, an attorney, once an associate in this case of what I'm sharing, uh, decides to make a move, they can choose to use and work with a recruiter like myself. Some things you want to keep in mind. Different recruiters specialize in different things. Some recruiters specialize in a particular practice area, litigation, civil litigation, IP, um, trusts and estates, corporate work. Other recruiters specialize by level of law firm. As I shared, my team and I focus on big law. There are, there are recruiters that are specific geographically to South Florida, for example, to the East Coast, for example, to the major metro markets like New York, uh, Washington, DC, Boston, Chicago, et cetera. So choosing a recruiter that's gonna know uh, some of the nuances of your practice area and be able to provide great value to what you wanna do in terms of the transition that's what you as an attorney need to be looking out for, listening out for, and of course, feeling 
if that relationship, that conversation you're having with the recruiter is going to be right for you and the best value for the search that you want to take on. Um, some of the materials you want to have ready when you make a move, resume for sure. You want to update that. You want to work with a recruiter that can provide great suggestions and encourage um, guidance in terms of how to position the resume for what role you want to take on. You also want to have your transcripts. A lot of these firms request official transcripts, which you'll have to reach out to your, your uh, law school to receive. If you're a litigation attorney, you want to have some writing samples ready to go. Uh, there are different guidelines and how-tos on how to pick a writing sample, a lot of which are available online. But that's something as a litigator specifically, you're going to want to have ready. As a transactional lawyer, a deal sheet. Undivided.